podcasting from the Chicagoland area. This is Game On with Jackson Stewart, where we discuss men's lifestyle, focusing on sex, fitness, relationships, business, and more. We'll be interviewing the best of the best, the hot shots, and the rising stars in the worlds of modeling, fitness, cooking, and more. Influencers who are discussing keeping it sexy while at the top of their game. I'm your host, Jackson Stewart. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the game. This is Mike Montague with Playful Humans, and you're listening to Game On with Jackson Stewart. Hey, good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of Game On with Jackson Stewart. I'm your host, Jackson Stewart, and tonight's topic, we're doing a twofer. We're going to be discussing the war on sex, and we're also going to be discussing kind of an introduction to the geek guides that we've been uh, posting and, and discussing on Instagram and on Twitter. So first up, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about this war on sex. Anybody who has heard the news at all whatsoever, even people who are not, um, you know, who are not subscribing to any form of adult material has heard in the news about OnlyFans, you know? And so there was this big issue where OnlyFans suddenly stated that they were no longer going to maintain uh, gratuitous sexual content and they were letting uh, content creators know that basically, you know, move your stuff off and, and keep some stuff, but it suddenly wasn't the environment that creators were used to, nor their fans. Uh, then several days later, all of a sudden, boom, OnlyFans flips the decision, says they're not going to do the pornography ban and that everybody's welcome and so on. So uh, a little back history to that. Anybody who has followed the very popular cam site, uh, my free cams came across a moment where PayPal could no longer be used for the purchase of tokens. So cam sites, for those of you who are listening, but don't know cam sites, there are, you know, models in their own respective rooms. You can go to the room, uh, interact with the model. You can buy what's called tokens, which are, you know, the currency of campsites, but it's real world money turned into tokens. A lot of people would use PayPal to handle that purchase. One, they didn't want to have to worry about using credit cards. They don't have to give up credit card information. And it was also a way that if they wanted to discreetly purchase tokens, they could use PayPal and, you know, PayPal credit. Suddenly, after, you know, years of being able to use PayPal, users logged in and found that the PayPal option had been removed. Now, without going through all of the various aspects of how PayPal um, uses Epic and Epic is the internet payment service provider, et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden this was removed from people. And there were those who said, this is the beginning of the end. And, you know, people, fans of, of cam models found ways to adjust and stuff, but there were models who, and sex workers and those in the field of camming who said, "Uh Oh, this is the beginning, the beginning of, of the, the war on pornography. Well, it wasn't long after that, that then the only fans, uh, issue popped up and that was quickly reversed. And now some people have settled back into, Hey, you know, it's safe to be on OnlyFans. And some people are now 
feeling that this is, you know, the the beginning of the end continues and that they are now jumping to other platforms. So uh, let, let's talk about this. And this is pretty much what's going to be my editorial, my opinion about the question. Is there a war on pornography? Well, let's start off with the idea that is it right to be able to view pornography? Um, it's not a question of right or wrong. Right or wrong is a personal preference, okay? I mean, some people think it's right to smoke. Some people think it's wrong to smoke. Some people think it's right to drink. Some people say it's wrong to drink. That's all preference. I mean, science notwithstanding, yes, smoking typically leads to cancer and other uh, pulmonary you know, uh, diseases and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, problems of the lungs and, and the heart, et cetera. Okay. That notwithstanding, some people smoke, think it's okay. Some people think smoking is wrong. Drinking can lead to cirrhosis. Um, and all of that can, you know, be viewed as being negative and, and dangerous, but that notwithstanding, some people think it's morally wrong to smoke, morally wrong to drink, morally wrong to drive fast, et cetera. Okay. That is your preference. And the beautiful thing about not only this country, the United States, but just being a human being in general, that you have rights. You have the right. You should have the right to choose what's right and wrong for you, provided that it does not hurt other people. So the ability to view pornography is a legal right. It's It falls under freedom of speech. It falls under a right to watch something or to view something as long as nobody's being hurt in the process. So as long as there's no minors or people who are not of consent being viewed or, or used in pornography, then pornography is not legally wrong. We're not talking morals. If you think pornography is morally wrong, great. That's your, your choice. You don't have to watch it. If you think pornography is is fine, you think it's 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 morally okay, great. You can watch it. But neither of those two groups deserve to push their beliefs and their perspective onto the other group. Because that's wrong. That's forcing people to follow what you think and we're past the whole idea of of right of um of what's illegal, of somebody being hurt, of somebody being abused for the production of something. So that having been said, it's the responsibility now of the platform to make sure that minors cannot reach such material and those that do not want to see it are not exposed to it. So, you know, adult platform sites, um, it's their responsibility to put up things like, you know, age blocks and age gates and warnings, et cetera, et cetera. And once they do that, then the idea that, oh, we need to get rid of pornography on the Internet because kids are getting to it. Well, if the platform is doing its job and making it so that kids should not be able to get to get to this material, then it falls on the parents. It's your responsibility to make sure you know what your child is watching, is being uh, able to look at, to educate them about what you think is right and wrong and what's age appropriate. And I think that we cannot put that on you know, platforms to get rid of all of their adult content because kids are getting to it. Well, then that's what parents are for. Um, nor can we demonize and, and wound the creators who are doing this without hurting people, um, without 
furthering um, sex trafficking, because if these are consenting adults who for this for them, this is a business, then they're not dipping into the field of you know the horrible crime of sex trafficking. They're not dipping into the horrible fields of child pornography and child uh, exploitation. Those fields, those crimes are not tied to a, a large majority of, quote unquote, healthy adult sexual material. So what is the what is the cause of this? Well, some people don't like pornography and they don't like people who are associated with the creation of pornography and they want to bring the material and its creators down. They want this stuff eliminated. Well, there are some problems with that concept. Number one, um, as long as porn is not breaking laws, to remove it from all access or restrict access is both forcing one's perspective onto another. And um, you are censoring. And there's a difference in censorship because some people hear censorship and they go, oh, my God, it's it's 1984, the George Orwell, you know, famous novel, and we're all being controlled, and Big Brother this and Big Brother that. No, some stuff has to be censored because it is at a level where there is no protective system to keep minors from viewing it. So that's why we have things like, oh, this movie is PG-13, don't bring in your 9-year-old. This movie's R, don't bring in your 13-year-old. I mean, we have methods that we instruct people, this material is being segregated because it's not appropriate for that age group. That's not censorship. That is, and this is not a, a good word to use, but segregation of inappropriate content. When you reach a certain level, you can now view this. Censorship just gets rid of it because, you know, oh, we're, you know, we think of a totalitarian government where they're censoring the media. Well, that's different because that is the removal of facts and information from the population. When you protect or you segregate material based on appropriateness, it is still accessible, but you have to reach a certain level, a certain age to be able to view it. So that's problem number one. We're stepping on each other's rights if we start trying to eliminate pornography off the internet. Uh, two, it's a form of discrimination. So if you don't like porn and you don't like sex workers, you cannot create business environments that specifically create hardships for their existence. Because where would that stop, right? So it's one thing to say, you know, the stores put up the no shoes, no shirt, no service, but to create difficulties for people whose business does not directly harm anyone, purely because of your belief in their work is discrimination. And look, here's the problem with discrimination. What you think is right or wrong and your business acts as so based off of belief, not based off of legality, it's a slippery slope. Because today you could say, well, because it's viewing these people having sex, it's wrong. It's not that far to suddenly go, well, it's wrong for blacks or whites or Hispanics or Asians, whatever, to do X, Y, Z. Prejudice and discrimination, it's, it's a snowball effect. And all of a sudden, things that you know we used to have and enjoy are now removed and gone. Uh, lastly, to believe that we can suppress porn is to battle an aspect of human nature, sex. Humans are animals, animals have sex. Animals like sex, sex feels good. So sex is both um, physically and emotionally rewarding, even if it is pornography. Now, of course, anything in excess is dangerous, 
too much pornography, you know, can cause issues in relationships, can cause them issues of self-esteem, issues of uh, sexual expectations in real relationships, of course. But all that having been said, you know, porn is a digital, well, digital now, but it's it's an extension of sex, people. And, um, yeah, so the the... The last big issue with the idea of, you know, banning or removing or restricting pornography on the Internet to the point that it's a stranglehold and it just kind of we get rid of it anyway. Um, you know, the last time we tried to suppress something uh, that was not immediately dangerous. Now, I'm not talking about the war on drugs. I'm talking about prohibitions. Right. So we're talking about, you know. Al Capone those days of, hey, alcohol is illegal. Well, what happened? Well, people wanted to drink. People found a way to drink. But they found a way which was literally a shadowy environment, illegal. A criminal element rose up to meet a need that the people wanted. Now, now I'm not talking about, you know, well, what about people who want things that, you know, what if people want sex trafficking? Well, that's illegal. That's wrong. That hurts people immediately. Um, that infringes on somebody, somebody's rights as a person. So if we, if we were to block and suppress pornography on the internet, you're not going to get away. You're not going to get rid of it. You're just going to push it into a place that is dark, you know, dark web, shadowy places where you're going to have people or entities that do not have the check and balances of large mainstream pornography platforms that exist now. You know, now they got to make sure that models are a certain age. They got to have their IDs. They got to have consent forms of people who appear in the videos, etc. Um, you're not going to have that if you push this sexual digital need into a darker place. That place is not going to give a damn because it's under the radar. So while you may think that we have suppressed pornography one day, if that ever was to happen, you didn't suppress it. You pushed it into the dark. And now it's furthering the very thing that you didn't want to have happen in the first place. And you will have an increase in sex trafficking. You will have a horrible usage of human beings. You will have revenge porn. You will, and you'll just, it'll just grow because there's no need for it to be regulated there. And let's look at, you know, prohibition. Well, the government said, you know what? Prohibition's over, you can drink alcohol, but the government got involved. It taxed the alcohol. It regulated the alcohol. It made sure that it was made uh, safely. It made sure that it knew who was doing what, who was doing this. And now you can go buy alcohol anywhere, but you got to be the right age. Um, you know, they tell you to drink responsibly. Bars are, you know, taught and trained to cut people off. So, Am I saying the government needs to get in there and <laughs> make a department of pornography? No, but I'm just saying that the idea of this war on porn, if such a thing exists, and I believe that there, you know, is to a certain explanation and degree, it's not going to win and it's going to actually backfire in and of itself. So another thing that we need to think about when we discuss, you know, this war on pornography and is it right? Is it wrong? Is who suffers in this battle? And, you know, well, oh, it's just the sex workers. Well, sex workers, let me tell you another word to call sex workers, people. They're your, you know, your moms, your sisters, your daughters, 
your aunts, your cousins, your dads, your brothers, your sisters, your, your sons, your, your nephews, they're people. Okay. They produce sexual content with other people. Okay. But that doesn't mean that they're not human. That doesn't mean that we make them, uh, that we demonize them, make them monsters. You know, and I think it was some of the pressure, uh, that pushed the OnlyFans reversal from people who were being portrayed as, you know, yeah, I have erotic content out there, but then, you know, it was coming out that this sex worker, you know, maybe she's a single mom and this way she put food on the table finally. Or, uh, maybe this sex worker is, is, um, you know, is, is a teacher at your school that nobody knew what she did until somebody outed her and ruined her life. I mean, we need to stop hating and demonizing and, and crucifying these people and see them as just being people. They're business people. You know, nobody makes them horrible and, and, and terrible and slutty and nasty, except for the people that want to hate them in the first place. And that's not right. Um, so yeah, I mean, and also they're innocent people in the industry. If you want, I mean, not to say that sex workers aren't innocent, there's people who aren't even doing the sex work, but they might be, you know, the, the, the maintenance people at the, at the facility where the, the videos are shot, or they might be the security guard. They might be the courier or the cleaning crew or the producer. What there are people who have nothing to do with what some people consider. Oh, they're actually in there having sex. They're just workers. But regardless of if the clothes are on or off, or if they're having sex or if they're holding a boom mic, they're people and they're human. And until we start seeing everybody as being people and being human, as long as you don't hurt somebody or, or destroy somebody's life for your own horrible personal gratification, then whatever you create, as long as it's legal, is yours to create. And I have a right to view it. I have a right to not view it. And I think we need to consider that Human right. What's the part of that word that's important is human and sex workers are human. Um, so, uh, let's see a few more points, uh, about this whole topic. Is there a war on porn? There's always been a war on porn, a war on sex. Uh, it's important that the stance is being taken regarding sexual platforms be seen as more than just moral beliefs. These are not battles without casualties and these casualties are honest good people whose jobs and pursuits are of a sexual nature like i just said uh they're harming no one their services movies pictures are not being shoved down our throats let's let's be honest about this and many of the platforms have safeguards to protect children and minors uh if you don't like the porn you don't watch it if you like the porn you watch it if you don't like sex work you can't demonize sex workers they're people uh they're our friends and our family um one last point, rather than large companies, whether it be credit card companies or 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 uh, payment processing companies who are being driven by groups and their beliefs about what's right and what's wrong in terms of sex and sexuality and pornography, rather than these entities attack these contractors and, and sex workers who are, you know, providing this content. Rather than attack these people, let's take that money and that power and let's really serve those who are under duress and victimization. Let's let's start organizations or, you know, send money to uh, programs for victims of, of sex trafficking. And and let's let's double our efforts to find um, 
those who who traffic, you know, revenge pornography or or still licensing from sex workers about the product and the intellectual property that they create. If this is all being done to keep people safe, then let's really put the money where it's supposed to go. Uh, let, let's put it in the programs that benefit the at risk, the endangered and the truly victimized. And let's put all this effort where it really belongs. So with that having been said, we are putting a uh, unique emphasis here at Game On with Jackson Stewart and at Game On with Jack um, on social media platforms to talk to the geeks. And so here's how we define geek. A couple things. Uh, I think dictionary.com describes them as a socially awkward and intelligent but single-minded people obsessed with non-social hobbies or pursuits. Um, also a digital technology expert or enthusiast, and as a person who has excessive enthusiasm for and some expertise about a specialized subject or activity. So that's what they consider a geek or a nerd. Here's the thing. When we say geek or nerd on, you know, the Instagram posts I'm putting out, Twitter, some of the, uh, the guides that are available on Twitter, some of the guides are available on Twitter and also on, uh, Patreon. I don't say geek to be um, insulting or derisive or mean. Um, you know, there are people who I know who are self-proclaimed geeks. And let's face it, a geek now is viewed a whole lot better than a geek five or ten years ago. A lot of that is just because what we consider geek culture has now become mainstream. And there's no way you can say that the movies, the blockbuster movies of the last 10 years have not had an impact on that. You know, once upon a time, and trust me, I grew up reading comic books. I still enjoy a good comic book. Um, but once upon a time, if you had said, you know, Captain America, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? But now because of the Avengers movies and, and you know, Captain America Winter Soldier and, and so on, everybody knows that. And it's making what was considered once a very esoteric, shadowy, uh, hobby. Now it's mainstream. So geeks are, um, geeks are intelligent. They're brilliant and they're sensitive people. And now being a geek is hot, but we found that, you know, sometimes geeks suffer and struggle with social interaction. So if you follow me on Twitter, if you go to, uh, twitter.com at game on with Jack, I've got a geek guide that's available for free download. Go ahead and check it out. Um, if you jump on, uh, Instagram and follow Jackson Stewart too, you can find uh, a whole week of geek posts. There will be more coming. And lastly, I want to give some tips about having a better conversation if you are a geek, because sometimes geeks struggle with talking to just somebody they meet at a party. <coughs> Excuse me. Somebody meet at a party at a, you know, outside at a, at a store or a coffee shop or whatever. And, um, you know, they fumble a little bit. And I think some of these tips would help them out. Uh, make eye contact. I think it's really easy for, uh, for people to get uncomfortable, even non-geeks, right? They get uncomfortable looking somebody dead in the eye. And the reason is, is because you think, <coughs> oh man, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me so much. <coughs> excuse me. You think the other person's uncomfortable? 
or laughing at your, your visual focus. And that's not true. Eye contact establishes a, a sense of, uh, rapport, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and exudes a confidence that most people find very comfortable and very reassuring that they are engaging in a conversation with you. If you look down a lot or you shift and you look, you know, ever else, but at the person in their eyes, it gives a sense of, of the lack of comfort in the situation that you are afraid is, is being uh, portrayed. If you look them dead in the eye, um, you know, think about some of your favorite sci-fi heroes that were just like great conversationalists, you know, and I, I mentioned like Han Solo, I mean, the, like the king of intergalactic swagger and, and conversation and style or Captain Kirk, you know, we'll go old school Star Trek. These are great conversationalists. They look people in the eye. They square at their shoulders. They sit straight and, and they talk to people. And I think that that was, that's a key uh, component. Next up, really listen to people. Don't just hear them. Hearing is the physical act of, of taking in sound. Uh, but listen, listen is to take in that sound, taking the person's words and, and interpret what they're trying to say. Think of, uh, you know, think of Professor Xavier from the X-Men, right? You're not a mind reader. You're not a telepath, but you're able to take in information and interpret it in such a way that you are really getting what the person is trying to communicate to you, not only through words, but through like, you know, body language, uh, tone, inflection, and so on. Third, find someone really interesting. Find people interesting. Everybody's interesting. Uh, there's some billion people on the planet. I'm sorry, some billions of people, like seven probably or eight maybe by now. And, um, so that's, those are billions of interesting stories. Everybody is a, a what if, a multiverse, a, um, a twilight zone, a quantum leap. And if you look at people with, well, what is the interesting story this person has? I think you'll find it a lot better to hold conversations with them. Don't talk geek stuff unless the person opens up that topic. When we get nervous, it's very easy to fall back on what we know. And we get nervous, it's very easy to suddenly like geek out and start talking about geek stuff, maybe sci-fi movies or sci-fi books or, or tech or whatever. And we could lose the conversation because now this person that we're talking to has no idea what we're talking about. And they realize that they're talking to a geek, but like relax, breathe and don't unleash a one-sided conversation. You know, take, if you start to get nervous, just ask the person follow up questions about what they just told you. You know, if somebody says that they like, uh, you know, we had a, a previous guest that said, if somebody says they like to collect stamps, well, if you ask them a follow up questions, like, yeah, what's your favorite stamp? You know, that's taking the, pressure off of you to hold the conversation up and it lets them talk. Um, also, remember that less is more. So we can dominate this conversation with all of our likes and our interests and even about ourselves, but we can try shorter answers and shorter paragraphs for replies. Think of characters like, you know, think of characters like uh, the Master Chief from Halo or Worf from Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Now, these were characters who were, you know, stoic. And I think the right term would be a uh, taciturn. They just kind of like, boom, said it, a couple words and we're done. 
More or less is quite often more. Good people, sexy people, that wraps up our show. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, and we'll see you soon. What if you could be a better player for the cost of one more cup of coffee a month? Get access to a growing library of lit erotica, behind-the-scenes action, and player's guides with tips on drinking, cooking, fitness, dating, sex, and life after dark. Low-tier rate while offer lasts. Patreon.com. Game on with Jack. Keep it sexy and game on.